Hello, and welcome to this new episode of Head and Heart, a podcast by Probe Ministries. I am your host today, Paul Rutherford. I'm a research associate at Probe, and I'm going to have a conversation with my esteemed colleague, Tom Davis. We're going to be talking about the Jewish roots of Easter. Tom Davis is with me in studio. Tom, glad you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun to, to sit down and turn on the microphones when we get to talk about nerdy stuff like philosophy of religion and history of religion. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's half the reason I wake up and go to work. <laughs> it's because we get to do this so often. And uh, the ministry that we do around here at Probe is for your edification, for you to know Jesus if you don't. Uh, if you do know him, we want you to be built up as an ambassador for Jesus Christ, and we want you to think biblically about everything in your in your life. So today is going to be a conversation to help you think differently, change your head about the celebration, the holiday of Easter, so that it can inform your heart. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12. And I hope you use this as an opportunity this season. Here's an application right at the front. Invite someone to church with you. Invite someone to church with you this Easter. (laughs) We'll help you think differently about Easter, I hope, over the next few minutes, Tom. But those are two applications for you right out the gate, listener. So I, I hope this is a blessing to you, and I hope this is interesting. And so, Tom, you uh, just a bit of background. If our listener is new to the podcast, what do you do around here at Probe? What's your give us a short bio? Yeah, I'm a research associate, so I report the podcast here, write for Probe Radio, write articles for the website. Um, I'm also involved in some uh, discipleship with a program at one of the local churches here. So I go in, help out with them once a week, um, usually when when the program's up and running. And, um, you know, I just do different things like that and uh, help out with our Mind Games camp, which is coming up in June. I'm one of the speakers there. Yep. And then tell us about your research interests, because there's a reason that I asked you to have this conversation. Yeah, um, I'm particularly interested in... Um, Biblical studies, particularly historical Jesus research, and Christology is probably the the best way to put it, to bring both words into that. So what can we know about Jesus, historically speaking, and like what does it mean as well? Okay, so historical Jesus research, Christology, that, that's, thank you for filling that in. That's, that's why I had you in mind when I thought about this Easter season and what we're, what we're doing in it. And, um... Yeah, so let's let's jump in. Let's get let's get to the conversation. So the first question for you out the gate is I know that we are in Lent right now, the the season leading up to the Easter celebration. So uh before we get to Easter, why don't you tell us what happens before it gets to Easter? What tell us about Lent. What's Lent? Okay, yeah. Lent is period before Easter, uh forty days before Easter Sunday. And it's a period that has been traditionally observed. It's hard to tell exactly when it starts in the Christian traditions, um, possibly around the Council of Nicaea, but they don't. Historians don't have it pinned down. And this is a kind of a period of self-reflection and repentance, traditionally speaking. So Christians would um, fast for forty days, particularly fasting, withholding from meat. Um, being allowed to eat fish on, I think it was Saturday, or sometimes fish was allowed for those 40 days, but mm-hmm. like beef or chicken was not. And then um, that culminating in an Easter celebration, which 
you know, is a, a celebration of the death and then resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so I have a, let's call it a dumb question. Since what we're talking about today are the Jewish roots for Easter, and we're talking about right now just Lent, what is Lent, the this period, the season leading up to the celebration of Easter. So question is, is Lent, is Lent biblical? I have two questions, but we'll start with that one. Is Lent in the Bible? No. Uh, there are some traditions that try to connect it to Jesus's 40 days of fasting in the wilderness um, before he was tempted by Satan, but there's nothing that prescribes Christians to observe a 40-day fast before the celebration of Easter. Okay, so it's not biblical. Yeah. Okay, this, that was my that was my quote. Playing the dumb card, playing the ignorant ignorant question. So the follow up question is that I, I I guess I'll just say it. That doesn't mean that there's no validity to it. It also doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. I'm yeah. just trying to locate it in the the sense of the Christian experience. So it it falls in the realm of tradition, yeah, or habits, things that we do. We have historical observances. It's kind of like just a family tradition. I know my family has traditions a lot, often around the holidays that we're going to do things together. And um, my favorite notably is usually eating Whoppers from Burger King on Christmas Eve. That's, you know, my person, it's, it's not in scripture, but that's just something we do and we like to keep doing. And I want to keep doing if my wife is listening, I hope she hears this. Um, <laughs> but those are the, that's, those are the things that are tradition, right? So yeah. Lent falls in the category of tradition. It's not commanded by Jesus, but it's something that, our brothers historically have done and, and there's value in, in continuing to do it. Is yeah. That, do I have it right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's right. Okay. So then I'm going to ask another question then. So then is there a precedent from the Jewish religion or in the old Testament for Lent? Um, there is, they did have some different fasts, um, such as uh fast leading up to the day of atonement where you would withhold from eating meat for two days prior to the sacrifices that took place on atonement. You know, so there's there's different fasts uh, that you see in the Old Testament that are prescribed. Um, there's, so there's a precedent for fasting, but not specifically for Lent. Right, so I hear you saying there's a precedent for fasting in the Jewish religion in the Old Testament, but not particularly to Lent, not in that particular season, not in the, not in the spring, right? Yeah. Because my understanding is that the Day of Atonement is a festival that happens in the fall. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Well, you know, what else do you, uh, what else do you want to, how do you want us to think differently about Easter? I'm assuming you don't want us to think about rabbits and Easter bunnies and eggs and hiding colorful pastel eggs. Yeah. So we can start there by saying that's really not the Easter that we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if that's what you do for fun with your kids, that's okay, but that's not what Easter is about. Um, Easter is about the death and resurrection of Jesus, and it always has been. Okay, so starting there, so then where where do you want us to move, and what, what connections to Judaism do you want to make about Easter? How, how is it a Jewish? Maybe I should just give you a softball. How is Easter Jewish? Yeah, so Easter is Jewish, um, particularly in the way that it connects to the ancient Jewish sacrificial system, um, particularly the two particular holidays of observance that I've been looking at 
is the Passover and the Day of Atonement. And the Passover is the easiest one because Jesus chose to go into Jerusalem, basically proclaiming himself as king, judging the temple. He chose the Passover ceremony, which included the sacrifice of a lamb. He chose that to go in and provoke the authorities to kill him. Uh, So that was intentional on his part. So it has direct connection to Passover. But Jesus is also the atonement for our sins. Like That's what he does on the cross, is atonement for our sins. And the meaning of that atonement for our sins not only connects to Passover, but it connects directly to the Jewish holiday, the Day of Atonement or uh, Yom Kippur. Okay, so I basically heard you say two things in answer to my question, because my question was, how is Easter Jewish? And so the first thing I think I heard you say was that Easter happens at a time during Passover. It occurs during Passover, during that festival, that holiday. And the second way it's Jewish is that it is the fulfillment of atonement, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the holiday of atonement. Now, that doesn't happen in the spring. It's not... It doesn't coincide on the calendar. It coincides in concept. Yes. The idea of atonement happens during Easter. Yes. Okay. So let's let's slow that down. Let's unpack some of that because I, I think there are some things worth saying, in especially the first thing you were talking about in terms of uh, Easter being during Passover. Because you were talking about Jesus being intentional and going to provoke the Jewish authorities for him to be ultimately murdered on the cross. So what do you mean by that and what's the significance of it? So Jesus really could have chosen any time of year or any festival to go into Jerusalem and do his actions. But he chooses Passover, and he chooses Passover um, because Passover is the Jewish celebration of the Exodus. Um, So if you read the book of Exodus, it starts off, the Jews have been enslaved for 400 years. And God is going to free the Jews, and he sends a series of plagues on Egypt, and then he tells the Jews, you will take a lamb, you know, and the first one, it was each family took a lamb, and you will slaughter the lamb, and you'll put the blood of the lamb on your doorposts. It's like, then you'll bake the lamb, and you'll eat it. You eat all of it. If you can't eat all of it, then you have to burn the rest of it. And you'll eat bitter herbs because you're in a hurry. Unleavened bread. You're going to eat unleavened bread because you're in a hurry. You don't have time to wait for the yeast to raise the bed. And then anybody who doesn't have this blood on their doorpost, I'm going to go and kill their firstborn, is what God was telling them. So the Egyptians don't put any blood on their doorpost. God kills all their firstborn. The Egyptians are finally give the Jews what Moses has been asking them to do. Okay, you guys leave. You're out. We don't want you around here anymore. We're tired of these plagues. So the Jews leave, and they're now free people. Um, They're now starting to become a nation, where prior to that, they were slaves for 400 years. So that's kind of the historical connection, and then it becomes a remembrance of how God frees the people from their bondage. 
And um, today, the way the Jews celebrate it, they're looking for uh, the return of the prophet, and I believe it's Elijah, if I remember correctly, to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. Okay, so we're talking about the question, generally the question, what is Easter? Is Easter Jewish, and what are the Jewish connections to Easter? And so that's the question that we're talking about today. I'm your host, Paul Rutherford. I'm talking with colleague Tom Davis. And you have a, you have an interest in Jesus studies, historical Jesus studies and Christology. And so connecting Easter to Jewish roots and Jewish celebrations, the, fir- the first thing that you're, you're saying here is that it's connected to Passover. And you gave us just kind of a, a summary course of the Passover, yeah. of initially of the nation of Israel's deliverance out of their bondage and their slavery in Egypt over 400 years of oppression, much of which was cruel and harsh, and the Lord delivered them miraculously in the the ultimate miracle of the Old Testament, the parting of the Red Sea. Hopefully I'm not yeah. stealing your thunder, you're not going somewhere with this, but the, yeah. the, all these things are connected, that, that miraculous deliverance when the Lord delivered them out of the bondage. But, but Passover, more specifically, is about that one particular night when basically lots of Egyptian babies died. Yes. And only those who were spared were those who had the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. Yeah. So the blood of the lamb protects them. Um, Later on, when you get into like Leviticus and Deuteronomy, where it talks about further instructions on how they should observe the Passover, um, it talks about Instead of each family having to sacrifice their own lamb, there's one lamb sacrificed at the temple. Hmm. And uh, the interesting thing here is in John's crucifixion narrative, John goes through a lot of work to connect Jesus's death on the cross to the Paschal lamb, which is the lamb that was sacrificed at Passover. So... And he even states this, that when Jesus dies on the cross at that moment, that's when the Paschal Lamb's being sacrificed at the temple. Mm, Very interesting. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians even identifies Christ as our Paschal Lamb. Fascinating. So I'm hearing you say that the, the primary connection or at least right, this first connection we were talking about with the Jewish roots of Easter, is that Jesus' death on the cross is a is symbolically connected to the death of the, the sacrificed lamb. The, yes. Either the Paschal lamb or the very lamb that, that was sacrificed on the night of Passover in Egypt, the original, the first Passover. Yes. Man, that's fascinating. Those connections are, are really, really interesting. That is huge. And primarily, uh, it's interesting because of the significance, because I I don't know, I can think of two off the top of my head. I mean, the the first is that the death of Jesus on the cross, what it accomplishes for mankind is salvation. Yes. It it, it allows the angel of death, which we all deserve, according to Romans 3, passes over us, that we're, we're not going to be sentenced to the death that we have deserved, but instead we're going to be given life. We're going to be delivered out of the bondage of death. And it happens because of the blood of Jesus, just as the angel of death passed over the Israeli families on the first Passover. Yeah. um, Another way to think about that, that's exactly right. Uh, The Jews on the very first Passover are being freed from their bondage to the Egyptians. On with Jesus as the sacrifice, we're being 
freed from our bondage to sin. Mm. So both are kinds of deliverance, a kind of salvation, a kind of deliverance out of bondage and, and out of slavery. Yes. Fascinating. That's really cool. So that that's interesting just because of the tremendous significance of it. Now, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, Tom, but it also occurs to me that one cool parallel here that makes Easter so Jewish is that the, um, well, this might, this might not fit, but the, the penultimate miracle of the Old Testament is the parting of the Red Sea. But a good argument could be made for Passover, that maybe it's not the one that they point to, but it's, uh, it's, it's right up there with it. Yeah. It's yeah. right up there. It's one of the most profound, most miraculous, most, I don't want the, I, I can't think of enough superlatives. <laughs> My mind is going blank on superlatives for the significance to the Jewish people in the Old Testament for the night of Passover. Yeah. So that in itself is, is a miraculous sign of deliverance. And then if we look uh, by parallel, if we look, you know, quote unquote, Christianly to the New Testament, the ultimate miracle in the New Testament is the death and the resurrection of Jesus is that he died and was, he was raised up. Yes. And so we get this cool kind of a literary parallel between these two events that lined up on the calendar at the same time, same time of time of year, I should say, separated by many, many years, but the same time of year. And according to the stories, as we read them in the Old Testament and the New Testament, one is they're both kind of anchors in the history of signs and wonders, the histories of miracles that God has performed to testify to his power and to his goodness. And they both serve as that. And so it's really interesting then that those should be connected historically and according to um, historical festivals and celebrations. Yeah, yeah. And it is interesting um, that they are connected that way. It's interesting that Jesus purposefully chose that particular festival to go to be a sacrifice for the world. And yeah, the, the meanings, there's like parallel meanings going on as to what Jesus is trying to accomplish with his obedience to God to go and do this and what's going on with a, kind of a freedom, freedom from slavery, freedom from sin. The Egyptians are defeated death is defeated um, and these different parallels that are going on make it uh, kind of really interesting to look at the two side by side. Yeah, that is fascinating. So, Tom, we've been having an interesting conversation about the Jewish roots of Easter, a holiday that is typically thought of as very Christian and is very Christian and has a long history of being celebrated in the church and to many, many nations credit culturally as well. It's become a cultural phenomenon, which is to the credit of any culture or nation that adopts it. Uh, but we've also been talking about how our listener in particular can begin to think of this as, as not strictly a Christian uh, celebration or a Christian holiday, but also a, a Jewish holiday, a, a fulfillment of Jewish holiday and, and Jewish um, prophecy. Uh, there were many prophecies of the Messiah that would come, and they were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, which I believe the Rabbi Jesus from Nazareth is, and how in particular his death and resurrection that happened at Easter that Christians celebrate to this day is the fulfillment of that. And so we've been talking about several of those parallels of those fulfillments, and uh, Tom, if I'm summarizing you correctly, that's how you want uh, our listener to, to think about uh, this Easter season, is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you the last word. Any last things you want to say or bring up? Yeah. Um, we mentioned the Day of Atonement, and so I wanted to real quickly just touch on that. 
Okay, please. Um, the Day of Atonement is described in Leviticus. And what goes on in the Day of Atonement, it's the one day of the year where the priest was allowed to go into the Tent of Meeting, or the Holiest of Holies. So he has to sacrifice a bull and go to the Tent of Meeting, sprinkle the blood on the altar, sprinkle the blood... Of a bull. Yeah, of a bull. A bull, okay. Um, and that's to purify the altar and purify the temple and kind of remove the people's sin from the altar, from the temple. So the purification happens from the inside and goes out. Then he has has to take two goats, and uh, they would cast lots, would be something like casting dice or something like that. Um, and the reason they would cast lots is for God to let them know which goat was what. what a, why so does it God, matter which goat is what? Yeah, so God's going to choose a goat. The goat that the lot falls on, um, they would say that's the lot that God chose. God chose that goat. God made the lot fall on that goat. That goat is then sacrificed. Um, it so it bears sacrificed, the sin of the people. Yeah, it's sacrificed and it cleanses the people, it cleanses the priests. Well, the blood of the bull cleanses the priests, the blood of the goat cleanses the people. Oh, the, I see. The other goat was kept... And the priest would place his hands on the other goat, and the sins of the people are transferred to that goat. And then that goat was sent out into the wilderness um, there, and it carries the sins of the people out into the wilderness. And there's a bit of Old Testament controversy there as to proper translation and understanding of the word azazel, which either means that it was into the wilderness, or it's like a proper name for a demon or something like that, like a desert demon or something. Okay. Um, but whichever one you go, the thing that the scholars do agree on is this isn't a sacrifice to a demon. So that goat isn't sent out like to appease this demon. What it's doing is it's taking the sins of the people, and it's carrying the sins of the people out where sin belongs, which is the realm of the demons. Mm. And like it's like, hey, here's your sin back. We don't want it. And that had to be done once a year to cleanse the people of sin. And in Hebrews 9 and 10, the author of Hebrews talks about how the sacrifice of Jesus is greater than the sacrifice of bulls and goats because the sacrifice of Jesus is done once for all the people but the sacrifice of bulls and goats had to be done every year to cleanse the people. Interesting. Okay, so that the second goat, is that where we get the phrase scapegoat? Yes. Hmm, interesting. Yep. And it sounds like the way you describe it is it's a casting out. Yes. It's a ceremonial, sacrificial type of casting out, a type of uh, separation. In that sense, kind of a sanctification, a setting apart. This is, we're casting this out. We're declaring collectively, ceremonially, and ritually that this is not a part of us. This doesn't define us, and this is not characteristic of who we are. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so it's it's rich with meaning in terms of making a, a public and a corporate declaration about the nature of sin and our relationship to it. Yes. We're casting it out. Fascinating. So one one of those goats pays the price for sin by being slaughtered ceremoniously, and the other one is cast out and bearing Israel's sin. 
Yes. Interesting. And th- so this is all part of the Day of Atonement. Is that right? Yes. This is the atoning, the atonement uh, festival. Yeah. Atonement yeah. holiday, which is also a somber holiday, as I understand. Yes, it would be uh, before the sacrifice, there would be a, a full day of fasting, and then you would do the sacrifice. Okay. All right. Thank you for adding that about the Day of Atonement. That's another interesting conceptual connection to Easter and how Easter is, is Jewish and a fulfillment of that, like you just said in in the, the book of Hebrews, that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is sufficient for the covering of our sins once and for all. And that's what makes it different than sacrificing bulls or goats. Yes. Well, listener, I hope you've learned something here. I hope this has been uh, helpful for you to think about Easter in a way that's more distinctly Jewish. Uh, and that's a good thing. That's part of God's sovereign plan. God chose these people. God uh, chooses whom he will. God redeems whom he will. And we should be grateful that we get to have life and it's not something that we earn. And that's one of the beauties of the Easter season is recognizing that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and I didn't earn it. And the life that he earned, he gives to me graciously. So listener, I want you to to share that with somebody this week. Invite somebody to church with you. The cool thing about Easter, even these days, is that it's still culturally a thing. People who don't even call themselves Christian will sometimes go if you just ask them. I know I've heard many survey results that have asked wide populations of Americans, would you go to church if somebody asked you? And a lot of them just say, yeah, sure, if somebody invited me. So please take the opportunity, utilize the season, uh, leverage every opportunity and every advantage you have for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel. I firmly believe you will not regret it. Tom, we've had a great conversation today about the Jewish roots of of Easter. I'm looking forward to Easter, this Lenten season, this season of sobriety that's somber, that's about giving up and really meditating on the gravity and the severity and the somber nature of our sin and how it separates us from God. But I look forward to celebrating Easter really soon and uh, Jesus' resurrection. So this has been a fun conversation. Tom, thanks for joining me. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, it's been good talking about it. Yeah. Listener, you can find resources like this at our website at probe.org. You can find all kinds of articles and all kinds of resources. So check those out. Lots and lots of them are free. We have a bookstore too. Check that out. You can buy interesting books that will help you in your walk with the Lord and help you to do what God's called you to do. I've been your host today, Paul Rutherford. It's been fun having this conversation. And listener, we will see you next time. Bye.